Reputation. What does it mean when you think of a reputation? Sometimes it's a good reputation, sometimes a bad reputation. People, it, it can have a dual thing. Let's think about, well, you could say this. How do you think people look at you or me or whatever, any of us? I mean, what kind of reputation do we have? You know, the Bible talks about if you're going to be in a place of leadership in a church, you need to have a good reputation with the unbelievers, even unbelievers in a community. But what about reputation? When you think about Paul he had a reputation, but in the beginning, it was a bad reputation. Do you think about that? Look at this right here. And, but Ananias gives us God, giving word to Ananias, and Ananias answers it, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, that's Paul, how much harm he did to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all the call upon your name. And so he basically says, I, he's a bad man. I, he's got a terrible reputation. And we know that happened. And then uh, Paul believed in Jesus Christ and uh, began to grow. And in source, uh, it, it, a lot of people at first didn't believe that. We'll see that even this morning. But then later on, and in fact, you get to the end. At the end, Paul has a, has a great reputation, really, a good reputation as a man of God. And so what we want to do is we want to be men and women who have good reputations with each other because we live in such a way that we bring glory to Jesus Christ and that people would say things about us, especially in our community. That's what we want. Well, let, let's, let's re- sort of remind ourselves what happened. Paul was on his way to Damascus to, to bind the believers. That He called them, that, that was called the new way or the way. Remember, they weren't called Christians until Antioch. We'll actually see that this morning. And so Paul was going there to arrest believers and bring them back, bring them this way. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. There was a light shining at noon, heard a voice in Hebrews, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He saw Jesus Christ. He understood. He believed. The best thing we can tell, he believed. God actually told him, go into the city. I'm going to tell you what your ministry is going to be. And we saw last couple of weeks that Paul's ministry was to go to the Gentiles and that he was to turn them from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God, that they would believe and they would have an inheritance. And so his job is to go to the Gentiles. We know that Paul, being Jewish, matched perfectly with everything. He would go usually into a city, go to the Jew first, and then to the Greek. And most of the time, the Jews would reject and the, the Greeks would believe. And so that's what Paul's ministry was. It was an incredible ministry. We said that God told Paul that he would serve and suffer for Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.29 says it's a call for us not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So we may suffer as well. Uh, we haven't been suffering very much in our country, but it's going to happen, and it's getting worse and worse as time goes by. And so Paul did all kinds of things, and we looked at Corinthians where Paul wrote about and said that he had been beaten with rods, and it had been stoned, and been shipwrecked, and a day and the night in the deep, and he just th- talked about all these things. And so we raised last week, and this is how we ended. We said, what is it? What is it that kept Paul going in ministry? And what is it that would keep us going? Because persecution is going to come. And, and even now, though, just, just ministry is not easy in itself. Even if you aren't persecuted for standing for Christ, just ministry as a whole is not easy. And so what kept Paul going? And we saw this last week, but the first thing, he saw himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians six nineteen and 20, what do you not know? You've been bought with a price. You belong to Jesus Christ. We're not our own. Uh, Jesus Christ purchased us. We belong to him. Paul said, I belong to Jesus Christ. How did Paul start his letters? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Sometimes he called himself an apostle, but sometimes he called himself a servant of Jesus Christ. So he saw himself as a servant. How are we going to keep going in ministry? We say, who am I living for? Who do I serve? 
Why am I on this earth? It's not for myself. It's for Jesus Christ. I serve him. The second thing is Paul saw himself as obligated. He writes in Romans chapter 1. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He said, I'm under compulsion to proclaim the message to those who haven't heard. And sometimes we don't think of it that way. Uh, in fact, historically, the church has always said stuff like, bring them here instead of go out where they are. We're supposed to be going out where they are and leading them to Christ. And he said, I have an obligation. I am a debtor to all men. And we should think that way. That if we, let's think about this. Are there people that God has allowed to be in your life that you're responsible to tell them about Jesus and that you're a debtor to do that? And then the third thing is he was looking for the return of Jesus Christ. He talked about finishing the race, fought the fight, kept the faith, looking forward to Jesus coming. Uh, and so he was living his life, living for Jesus. And, and he's the one that wrote in First Thessalonians, there'll be a shout, a voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are right in vain, be caught up together with him. That's Paul saying, hey, it's coming at any time. And so we run the race looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so he ran the race looking to Jesus. So when we think about ourselves, we see ourselves as servants of Christ. We see ourselves as debtors to proclaim the message. And we're serving now as we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come get us. The book of Philippians, Paul says, he says, we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come and change this lowly body. He says, our citizenship is heaven. Not here. Our citizenship is in heaven where we wait for the return of Jesus Christ to come and change this lowly body into a body like his. So great stuff. And so when we see that for Paul, that's what kept him going. What should keep us going? Those sort of things. Well, let's talk about Paul's ministry and let's talk about the early ministry, the early years. And what happened? What did Paul do? Where did he go? And I, I, I thought about doing it in a kind of a unique way. And so the very first part, we're going to look at five cities in the very early part of the ministry that Paul went to. There's Damascus, and then now, uh, uh, when I say cities, uh, Arabia is not a city, it's a place. And then Jerusalem, and Tarsus, uh, and then Antioch. So really it's five areas, uh, one, four cities, and one is a place, and we'll talk about that. But if you can start the very early part of his ministry, you can look at these five places, how it fits together. Okay, so let's start with where do you, with the last place we left him, where was he? Uh, well, was, well, well, he was in Antioch. He was on the way to Damascus, right? On the way to Damascus. And so, let me give you. Here's the cities. I just want to show you those things. This is Damascus. This is Arabia. This area right here. There's Jerusalem. There's Tarsus, his hometown. And there's Syria, Antioch. And that's the Antioch that that he's going to end up going to. So he left Jerusalem to go to Damascus. And the reason he went to Damascus was what reason? To do what? To get the believers, to get the way. And on the way, he meets Jesus, and he becomes a believer. And so what happens to him? Remember, God came to him with this Ananias, and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight, and Paul could see, and God told him about what he was going to be doing. So in Acts chapter 9, so let's look at Damascus. Look at Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 19. This is after he regained his sight. It says he took some food and he was strengthened. And now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And look what he did. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying that he is the Son of God. He proclaimed Jesus the Son of God at the very beginning. You know, you hear people say things like, you just trusted Christ. Best thing to do is don't really do anything right now. Maybe grow a little bit. Did, did Paul wait? No. Are we supposed to wait before we serve? 
Are we supposed to be ready to share our faith? Let me ask you something. Could a brand new believer share their faith with somebody else? Yes. What's the message? Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. A brand new believer can share that. And so what does Paul do? Immediately, he goes into the synagogue where everybody in the synagogue thought he was coming to arrest the way. He goes into the synagogues and says, the way is right, and Jesus is the Son of God. And so often, we think we're not ready yet. What does it say? Several days, and then he went went straight in there. Immediately, he began to proclaim Christ. Wow, it's pretty amazing there. It says in verse 21, all who heard him were amazed, and they said, isn't this the guy? Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who call on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? He said, wait a minute, isn't this the guy that was going was to get us? But it says, but Saul, as Paul, of course, kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. But basically it's by proving that he is the Christ. And so he's in Damascus. So the very first place we see him is actually proclaiming the message But something happens, and you can't tell it here. You can tell it somewhere else. Notice the beginning of verse 23. When after, when many days had elapsed. How many days? How long? We don't know. But here's what we find out. That if you go to the book of Galatians, it says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 17, that while he was in Damascus, he left and spent three years in Arabia. And what was he doing in those three years in Arabia? According to Galatians, he was meeting with Jesus Christ. He was getting trained. He had a three-year seminary program in in Arabia. And we said Arabia is kind of further south on the way. And so Paul left Damascus and went to Arabia, and I want to I want to show you something. Uh, it, 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 when it says went into Arabia in Galatians, it, he was gone. The best we can tell is three years, because Galatians says after three years I came back. Now I want you to see something. He gained two things while he was in Arabia. He gained the authority as an apostle, and he gained the message, which was the gospel. Now, because up, up to then, we're not sure what Paul really knew exactly was the gospel message. Now, I want to show you something. Uh, I'm going to turn over to Galatians, and I'm going to turn to Galatians chapter 1, and I want to read something to you. You don't have to turn there. But we said that Galatians 1.1, this is where he got his authority as an apostle. Listen to this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. How did Paul say he got his apostleship? Got it from directly from Jesus Christ. That's pretty powerful. But there was something else. Where did he get his message from? Listen to this. This is verse 11 of Galatians. I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to men. I didn't get it from men. I was not taught it from men but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. Who gave Paul the gospel message that he proclaimed the rest of his life? Jesus Christ did. And so a lot of people, you know, when when Paul went and met with the apostles, uh, he says, they didn't change my message. I had the right message. They did too. I didn't go to them and say, hey, what's the real message? 
he had the message. He got it directly from Jesus Christ. So if we continue back, 9.23 says, after many days. So where's he been so far? He's been in Damascus, and then he's been where? Where? Arabia. And he's been in Arabia for three years. You know, you could see some people, and by the way, Arabia is like desert area. It's not a, it's not a resort, okay? And you could see some people saying, whatever happened to that Paul guy? Or that Saul guy. What happened to him? He was here. He was telling a bunch of people a bunch of stuff. And then he sort of just kind of disappeared. How long has he been gone? Mm, he's been gone about three years. We don't know what happened to him. But then he comes back. And he's coming back. He's increasing in strength. He's confounding the Jews at Damascus. And he's proven that what? That Jesus is the Christ. And then it says, when many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. When many days left, they decided they're going to try to kill him. Listen, here, Paul is amazing. It seems like everywhere he goes, they want to kill him. Have you thought about that? What if everywhere you went and started talking about Jesus, they wanted to kill you? And so he, he's on the way to Damascus. And I'll tell you, on the way to Damascus, believers would have loved to have killed him. Then he gets to Damascus, and the unbelievers want to kill him. He goes out to Arabia, comes back. They want to get rid of him. So where is he going to go now? What's he going to do? He's going to go to Jerusalem. So look at verse 26 of Acts chapter 9. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. Yeah, right. And they were afraid of him. Why? They're not believing that he was a disciple. Listen, if you were a believer in Jerusalem, and Paul had done all this stuff, then gone away up to Damascus, and then three... Three years have passed, and he now comes back to Jerusalem, and he says, oh, by the way, I've become a believer in Jesus. What would you say to him? I don't think so. We don't know you. We don't trust you. This could be a plot to get in amongst us and just arrest us and kill us all. We just can't trust you because the last thing we know about you is you are going up to Damascus to arrest anybody who's a believer. And so they're afraid of him. Notice what it says again, verse 26. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Would you have been afraid of him? Yes. Yeah, I would have. I would have said, I don't know what to do. But look who comes along. But Barnabas took a hold of him, brought him to the apostles, and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had talked to him, and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. Who is Barnabas? Anybody know Barnabas' real name? Huh? It's, it's Joseph, yeah. And so his name is Joseph, but he, but he called him Barnabas. Why, why Barnabas? What does Barnabas mean? It means a son of consolation. It means an encourager. He, Barnabas was known as the encourager. So what does he do with Paul? He grabs him and goes in and says, wait a minute, let me tell you about this guy. He's the real deal. He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, he's, he's been trained. And I've watched him tell people about the Messiah. He is really one of us. And they all said, well, if Barnabas says it, we believe it. Right? I mean, there's some people could have said it, and they went, we don't care. We don't believe you either. But Barnabas was the encourager. Barnabas was the guy that everybody liked. In fact, that was his nickname. He was actually a Levite. That was his background, his, his tribe. He was a Levite, and he, he was nicknamed Barnabas. And you know what? He's going to be the kind of guy that looks at different people, Barnabas does, and says, 
they can do great things if somebody helps them. How many of us in this room look around and say, there's some people in here that could do great things. They just need help. And that's our role, right? In our role to help everybody, to encourage everybody, to build one another up, to love one another, to encourage one another as the day is approaching. That's what the Bible says. Don't, don't seek to forsake the assembly of cells, but encourage one another. So that's what Barnabas did. And then look what it goes on to say in verse 28. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem. What was he doing? Speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. What has he done? Listen, if you spent three years with Jesus, I bet you'd be bolder. You know, I bet we would. But see, guess what? We, we're with him all the time now, and we're not that bold. Right? And we got the written revelation, and we're not that bold. We should be bold. We should be going, I got the words of the Lord. I've got... I've got I see exactly what he looks like in the scripture. I can talk to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. We should be bolder, should we not? What does Paul say? It says, and he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. Wow. So we've seen him go to Damascus, to Arabia, to Jerusalem. But guess what happens? Verse 28. Uh, he was speaking out boldly, verse 29, and he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were what? Attempting to do what? To put him to death. It's, it's the same thing. It, Barnabas tells everybody he's a believer. Once again, the unbelievers trying to kill Paul. Some people could say, Paul, I'm not sure we need you around us because every time you're around, people are trying to kill you. They're going to try to kill us. It seems to me that Paul is the kind of person that stirs up wherever he goes. I mean, he is bold, and just like he was opposed to Christianity and locking people up and trying to get them killed and everything, now he is for Jesus Christ. And he says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. He is the one, and we are justified by faith, not by the works of the law, and by grace you're saved through faith, and you walk in the Spirit, and, you, and he's that, and he's so bold that wherever he goes... He, he gets into argument with the Jews because he's Jewish. And he says, let me just tell you, let me show you how this thing fits together. And they don't want to believe it. And so he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, and they were attempting to put him to death. Same old thing. So what did they do? Verse 30, but when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to where? Tarsus. And where's Tarsus? What is that? That's what? That's his home. That's his hometown. Yeah, that's where he, that's where he was. He, he was in Tarsus. He grew up there. And then at a young age, probably 12, he went to Jerusalem to study under Gamaliel and became a Pharisee. But his hometown is Tarsus. And so they said, why don't you just go back home for a while and see what happens because everywhere you go, there's problems. And then look at the next verse, which I think is kind of funny. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace. <laughs> Paul's left, and he, he was stirring up trouble when he was trying to persecute the church. Now he's stirring up trouble when he's proclaiming the message. And they say, maybe, maybe take it easy for a while, right? How would you feel if you were Paul and they tell you to take it easy for a while? Paul probably is not, he's the kind of guy that says, take it easy. We only got so much time. He could come at any second. I'm under obligation to all men. Right? Well, he goes back 
And the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up, going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. Guess what? We hear nothing about Paul for 10 years. He's already disappeared for three years. Now he's disappeared for 10 years. Where is he? Where do you think he is? Where is he? He's in his home, Tarsus. Okay? But look what happens. I want you to flip over to Acts chapter 11. Some people with the persecution... Persecution happened, and so some people spread out, and they went north, and they went to a city called Antioch. And they told people about Christ, and a bunch of people believed in Christ. In Acts eleven twenty one says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number believed, turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the church at Jerusalem. And so somebody gets word to them and says, There's a whole bunch of people believing in Jesus up in Antioch. Y'all better do something. And so the leaders in the church say, who could we send up there? Barnabas. He's the encourager, right? He'd be the one to go up there and encourage all these brand new believers, help them get everything together and get it going. So look what it says. Verse 22, the news reached them, and so they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Wow. So this, this is great. That's what they're going to do. So many believed in Antioch. They sent Barnabas off there. But what does he do? It, it, there's so many people becoming believers. There's so much going on. He arrived. He witnessed the grace of God. He was so encouraged. He saw all of this. He was a good man. The Holy Spirit, considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he says, I can't do this by myself. Who would be good? Who would be like, who would be on fire? Who would be the kind of guy that knows the Bible that could really help us, help me put this stuff together here? Who would, be good? Who would be good? Well, it says in verse 25, and he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. So he saw so Antioch, he left, he went to get Saul, he brought him back, and guess what it says in verse 26? And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. He said, Paul, I don't know what you've been doing here for the last 10 years, but there's something happening really big in Antioch, and we need you. Now, where Paul lived, there was an Antioch, which was to the northwest of where Paul lived. It's called Antioch Pisidia. This is not that Antioch. This is called Antioch, you know, in, in the, just north of Israel. And so he said, Paul, we need you to come over here to this Antioch and help us. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and they taught considerable numbers. And, and the disciples, guess what they were called there? Christians. This is the first place that anybody called Christians. So he left for Tarsus, looked for Saul there. And what, what, what's the key for Paul's life so far? Just be faithful. Whether it's Damascus or Arabia or Jerusalem or Tarsus or Antioch, just be found faithful. What's the key for our lives? Just be found faithful. And no matter where you are, I mean, where does he put you now? Put you here. And you don't know whether he'll move you somewhere else? Yeah, all you say is just, Lord, I just want my life to count for you. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. And so we've got what I call the early years. So Paul went from Damascus to Arabia to Jerusalem to, to Tarsus and now back to Antioch. And we're going to find that in chapter 13, it says that in the church in Antioch, there were teachers. 
and they were Barnabas, Simeon, Niger, Lucius, Mahan, and Saul. They had five major teachers in this one church. Would you like to be in a church that had Paul as the teacher? Man, wouldn't that be great? And then Barnabas, Barnabas would be going, good job, Paul, good, good stuff. Uh, and then God says, let's set apart Barnabas and Saul for a ministry I have for them. And you can see people in the church say, we don't want, no, 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 no. Paul doesn't need to leave. Barnabas doesn't need to leave. And God says, yeah, he does. They do. I got something else for him. And sometimes there are people who move to Stillwater and they're here for a while and then they move away. And we say, oh, you don't need to go. We don't want you to move. And God really says, I've got something for them somewhere else. So our applications. Let's remember certain truths to keep on serving. What are they? We belong to Christ. We're under obligation to all men. And we look for the return of Christ. Same thing that kept Paul going. Same thing that keeps us going. And so we look for the return of Christ. The second thing is, look at this, and I love this. Let's just be faithful to serve. Guess what? Anytime. You're not too young and you're not too old. And even if you're a new believer, guess what? You can serve. I've had people say, you're too young. And I say, no, they're not too young. And I've had people say, I've done all I ever wanted to do. I just want to slide for home. I said, no, you don't slide for home. you got the maturity and the wisdom that everybody else needs. So don't quit serving just because you're old, right? Because you're not really old. And then it doesn't matter. Even a brand new believer can serve. Anywhere. Any place. And your authority is the word of God. And we need each other. Don't you think that Paul was so happy when Barnabas said he's the real deal? Because they would have never accepted him. They would have never accepted him. We need each other.